I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com Hello and welcome to the Guitar Nerds Podcast, the world's number one guitar podcast. I am your host, Joe Branton, joined this week by Matt Knight. Hello, Mr. Joe. And from Demodash FX, Steve Demodash. Hello. Hello, Steve. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us, Thank finally. Thank you for having me. Yes, yes. So it's, uh, we, we, you know, we probably started talking to you i don't know like three years plus ago i don't know it was like the first version of the videotape echo uh that you sent us for like a gear of the year consideration years ago i think was when we first started talking you know what actually i remember that because you guys did an episode where you were like you kind of noticed my products and were looking at my website and talking about it and a guy who has become a really good friend of mine uh, who lives in the UK, messaged me telling me about this. And I went and so like, I sent you guys a few things uh, so you could like check them out. And no, that's funny. That's how me and my really good friend Vince met. Ah, Vince, who who was involved in um, the the design of your newer pedal as well, or certainly the suggestion for it. Is that right? No, no. Uh, he is just a dude I talk to on Instagram. All the time. Ah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Funny guy, same sense of humor as me. Ah, right. Excellent. Excellent. Well, um, well, yes. Oh, uh, thanks. Thanks, Vince, for uh, for creating this relationship. But yeah. But, yeah it's but, not the Vince that I know, is it? No, it's not. It's <laughs> not, Vince, Vince, not Vince from Boss. <laughs> oh, okay. Fine. Hello to Vince from Boss, though. I love it. I love Vince. He's my bearded brother. He, he, he is. <laughs> okay. I only know one Vince. I was just like, oh. Just You're know. under the impression there is only one Vince. There is in, only one in, Vince. In the United my, Kingdom, Matt. Uh, just talking of names really quick. Steve, what your surname is... Is that your real surname? It's and fantastic, yep. Steve. Yep. It's wonderful. It's, if, that is a great... So you have lucked out with that surname. Uh, it's Ukrainian. I think it means orchard, but I could be wrong. Even better. Oh, That's wow. even cooler. Yeah. I'm in. I'm in, yeah. yes. You've got to pull pull a good name out of the hat there. <laughs> you didn't even have to come up with like a creative name for your pedal company. You just oh, go straight in with a surname. I'm very thankful for that because <laughs> I would have come up with a really dumb Would it have been name. a bad pun? Yeah. Like, I think, a bad I think my, pun like, 
whenever I think it's like, what else would I name it? Like, it would be acetone, but I'd always insist it was pronounced acetone. Right. Great. Great. Uh, that's that's terrible, Steve. I'm really it's glad awful. you've gone for Demodash. <laughs> yeah, me too. Thank you. Ah, well. Thanks, Mom well, and Dad. <laughs> exactly well uh, well yes it's great to have you on the episode and we're going to talk a bunch about your pedals dear listener if you've not checked out demodash pedals i mean i'm sure you have come across with them there uh steve you managed to create a fantastic company because there it's you've got a small line of pedals like there's some, something like five pedals in your in your complete lineup um which is you know relatively minimal you're a, a, a like a one-man shop uh, sort of, you know, building your own pedals to order, and you've created a fantastic buzz uh, around your brand for creating unique and interesting things. And you've kind of, you've sort of been propelled on onto that stage of like pedal designers that you should watch out for because they're creating something that's just a cut above the rest. Um, dear listener, you're probably most familiar with the T120 videotape echo. That's certainly the pedal that we got. Um, the most excited about, and that, that I think I, I I remember either hearing you on probably on the Tone Mob podcast, which is the only other guitar podcast that I listen to, uh, or, or maybe reading it in an interview. That was that was the first pedal that you created that wasn't a clone. You did the that thing that most pedal uh, creators start off doing, which is making their versions of other people's stuff. Oh yeah, I was working as a, an engineer at the time, so I wasn't intending to start a pedal company. I was just making Mm. things on the side while I was paying off my student loans, you know, trying to just make some money for gear. So, and it caught like lots of people's eyes on Instagram. I'd start, I had my own personal Instagram account at the time, but I hadn't used it since 2013. So when I started doing this in 2018, I'd started using it um, to like post photos of what I was doing in the shop. This was my hobby at the time. So um, and I came up with the idea of having something that sounded like VHS tape and looked like VHS tape. I think I honestly came up with the graphic first and decided <laughs> I need something that sounds like this looks. Um, <laughs> and the first one was a clone of Achille Magnetic Echo with a few small changes to it just to get it working right. in a way that sounded good to my ear. Which and, is to sort of enhance the modulation side of that. Exactly. Like... Right get a heavier uh, vibrato because that like the original pedal is you know just made to sound kind of authentic yeah it's trying Um, to be organic isn't it it's trying to sound like the real thing and i kind of wanted just to be able to push things further i just wanted like you know 20 percent more on each knob basically right right um so i extended like the delay range which introduces a bit of noise but you know it's like you get it sounds cool and uh, increased how heavy the vibrato could get, increased the speed available, and added a sort of like lo-fi-ness knob that kind of swept out the highs and the lows. Yeah, like, the tape right, quality. Right at, like, right at the output of the delay line, right. so that each time a repeat goes around, it gets you know um, further and further degraded. I see. Yeah. Um, and basically once... One of those, the first one didn't have that tape quality thing, but when somebody requested I make another for them, I was like, I don't feel comfortable doing, like, making actual money on clones, because I could tell, tell people who were paying attention. So I started um, 
kind of redesigning it and making it my own thing. So I introduced the tape quality thing and, you know, this process went on for probably a year of like successively or successively um, changing it. I taught myself PCB design, which I didn't know at the start, so that I could, you know, put in these modifications directly onto the board instead of doing an off-board wiring, which I had done for the first few. Um, so I had like a couple boards floating around in there. And then, yeah, um, I think the, weirdly enough, like, or, or not so weirdly, the idea that it's a clone of the Mag Echo is kind of like, stuck in some people's heads and they don't really realize that it's yeah it's a clone of the mag echo in the same way that a marshal is a clone of a fender like mm. it, inspired by yeah at one point like it was derived from but it's come so far that that's kind of a meaningless comparison i see like, i see yeah especially so like once the v2s i started working on those they don't even use an analog LFO. They use a digital LFO generated by a microcontroller. And this is something I've, I really fell in love with doing, which was writing code to generate a modulating waveform. And because you can do so many cool things with it, you can just have the waves do anything you want. So there's, I added these secondary controls so that I didn't have to change the control interface or clutter up the graphic, which is like uh-huh. you hold down the foot switch while it's on, LED turns yellow. And you uh, can turn the gla- uh, the depth knob, and it shaves. Um, it basically makes it so the the ramp of the LFO gets steeper and steeper until it's just straight up squares. So you can get you know you go from triangle to square wave based on like where you set that secondary parameter. Oh, that's very cool. And then on the speed knob or the LFO rate, you you know fully left is you get the exact same uh, LFO shape you got on the T120V1. But as you turn it right, you introduce randomization to it. And so all the way right, you have a fully randomized uh, waveform. So it's a bit complicated what's actually doing. I could have written it simpler, but I wanted to have uh, very random slopes because the slope of the wave is what determines your pitch shift when it's modulating. Uh-huh. So you know, it's selecting random values to go to, but it's also selecting random periods of time within a certain range based on like the setting of the speed knob. And so the intervals between picking different values is not the same each time around. So it gets, it's very like procedurally generated. And that, yeah. That's extraordinarily cool. Well, that's, that, it's a great additional feature and kind of, kind of one that I guess I haven't messed around with too much with the V2 that you sent me. I, I, I love the, the kind of the root simplicity of the T120 and what a great job it does of being like a mod- modulated, very analog sounding delay. But, you know, dear listener, if you're not into this sort of very fruity uh, sounding delay pedal, actually kind of dialed down it's it it makes fantastic simple slapback tones and also because all that all, all the the modulation side of things are on rotary controls you can really normalize this pedal as well it's also a great you know every person's delay oh yeah well i think my design philosophy is that i want everything to have uh, a very solid like core sound 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. So if I'm making something that's in the realm of a delay, which obviously I did, I want just the like vanilla delay sound to be excellent right. and to like stack up really well against any other normal three control delay and i want to be able to from there get really weird yeah. and still be great but you know once you go back to that home sound you can always go back there and it'll still sound fantastic so that's kind of my philosophy yeah that's it's a great idea because so so often i think you get you know one or the other garden variety or absolutely unusable unless you're making a sort of space sci-fi soundtrack Thing. Yeah, there's a time and place for that, but that's not really, I don't know, that doesn't fall, fall into like what I enjoy doing. Right, right, I see. And um, so just to be uh, clear for anyone who is maybe new and coming into these, these are, because obviously you state on your website, these are no DSPU. So these are analog effects digitally controlled. Is that how you kind of go about it or? Um, the T120 is kind of, you can't call it an analog delay because it's not. It uses a PT2399 chip, which is this chip. I think it came out in like the 80s or early 90s. Um, it was meant for karaoke machines to add an echo effect. So yeah. it's a very, it's just a self-contained digital delay line. So you don't program it. You just set basically a control that um, between the chip and the ground that, you know, vary the resistance and it varies the current coming out to ground which sets the oscillator so basically the delay time and it's it's so it's self-contained you don't really do much you just put some components to get the filters you want the data sheet for this is very sparse so there's not a ton of information for the manufacturer so if you look at a lot of like circuits that use this chip um, they have a very similar topology uh, meaning kind of like the structure of the circuit mm-hmm. um and you can make it sound awful, but you can also make it sound really good. And there are a lot of ways to EQ it um, to get really fantastic sounds out of it. So I tried to get it to sound like, you know, a basically a mix between VHS and a Roland Space Echo. Right. Um, yeah. And so it's self-contained digital, but I'm not programming it to go back to the question you're asking. Um, but the modulation... Uh, that's getting injected into it that's generated by a microcontroller so that's digital and the switching is digital like you know you press the foot switch the microcontroller senses that and figures out what to do you know whether you're pressing it and releasing it or pressing it and holding it and etc etc right okay so it's yeah it's um because there's quite a few pedals that have used that chip i believe um Earthquaker Space Spiral, I think, was one of them. Echo Dream from uh, Death Boy Audio, if I remember rightly, was one of them. I think the old Max On Delay is that, was the big green Max On Delay at one point. Uh, I think that used it. So it's been used in quite a lot, but yeah, not as 
potentially as common as some of the other, uh, well, well known, should I say, some of the other more uh, or the more traditional sort of BBD chip that you get in things like the Memory Man. But like you say, still a very good sounding chip and, you know, something that you kind of have to, you, you can work a lot with to kind of create what you want. Yeah, I think the thing with delay lines would be they digital or analog is they all like un unencumbered by the surrounding support circuitry sound really terrible and what makes a delay sound good at its core is how you put that scaffolding up and the attention to the detail of filtering out the awful shrillness that's very well put getting it to sound because like if you if you've never heard an analog delay like what it sounds like just coming out of the chip it's there's a high shrill sound from the clock that's going into it and analog delays require a lot of high pass or sorry low pass filtering to get the highs off and so that's what where that characteristic dark sound comes from because you're shelving the high end so you don't hear that clock i see Oh, yeah, there you go. That's and, and who'd have thought that would create end up creating such a desirable sound? Just <laughs> just trying to get rid of the sound of the clock. That's that's not as uncommon as you think. Oh. the The workarounds often lead to the characteristic sound for a lot of things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I bet. I guess. I guess so. Um, is the T one twenty? Is that I assume that is that your most successful pedal, Steve? Is that the is that the pedal that really propelled Demodash effects to being what it is today? It's definitely the one that propelled it into the position uh, I'm in. I don't right. think I'd be here if it didn't catch on like it did, and I didn't intend it to catch on. But um, that and but I'd say like the T sixty has been faster selling out of the gate. Really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, um, it was. I, I think of that as having even more competition, like than than almost a digital delay. Everyone seems to be jumping on analog modulation pedals at the moment, and this is a relatively new release. The T sixty, isn't it? It's, it's newer. It's under a year old at this right. point. Yeah. Just under a year old. I think I released it in November or December of last year. Uh huh. Um, yeah, it's, it spent a year in development or so, but there was a lot of anticipation for it because I guess I released a like photo of the artwork as I was working on it uh, a year in advance. <laughs> Which again, again, you nailed in that sort of, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, you. like late eighties, nineties sort of retro, um, thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so people really love the artwork for that and they love the idea. People, I think what people wanted was for me to release a sort of like latency free version of the T120's modulation. Right. Ah, to me that feels like a cop out, so that's not what I did. I did something similar but different. So completely different um LFO like digital LFO with a different way you you don't like steepen the curve like you do with the glide control on the T120. Um uh-huh. you can do that on the random side but on the more periodically even lfo side you you introduce a sample and hold effect on the lfo so it makes turns it into glitchy little pitch jumps that are sorry evenly spaced which adds this incredible sound that i haven't heard anywhere else and i just i i love how it sounds do you do you as you were working on the 120 did you have ideas for the kind of the T60 and the modulator already in mind? Did you already think that was something that you were going to do? Did you already... I mean, because obviously those two kind of 
yeah fit like a similar theme i guess don't they so was it something you kind of already had in mind as you were designing one the other was on its way um when i was working on i think the t120 deluxe version 2 which oh that that was a fun <laughs> that was a long process but um i was also kind of in parallel working on the t60 um and i'd say they cross pollinated uh sort of uh but more in the sense that okay i'm doing this for this i've got to think of something like different but equally cool to do in the other one so they're not too similar because i didn't want people to feel like if they got both they had just got a redundant pedal sure yeah i get yeah that. yeah i was gonna say because it they're not the same are they they no, they kind of they're cousins but they're not exactly the same yeah you know, so like you say because i think otherwise someone would feel potentially hard done by if they'd got got one but then the other part of that was in the other or something like that and you know i wanted to challenge myself to design something new um and use an actual like analog delay chip so the t60 is fully an analog signal path with digital control um which you know they're challenging to use because there's a lot of high frequency signals bouncing around you're generating a clock and also when you do digital control the microcontroller also runs on a different clock so you've got you know several you know uh high frequency things and you have to keep them from coupling together and mixing and then getting into the audio signal so that's really tricky right oh this is why i don't make pedals <laughs> yeah so what were you what so what were you doing before this then so what sort of spurred on like i'm gonna go make my own pedals was it just because it was it just a hobby or was there actually like a sound that you couldn't you couldn't get oh yeah that's a good question did you create any of these pedals because you couldn't find this uh that sound on the market um the uh okay i always say the word tremolo wrong is it tremolo or tremolo i would say tremolo okay then i always say tremolo um I've got, <laughs> i think i've gotten better now that i'm questioning it before i'm saying it but right. uh yeah so the tremolo that is one i couldn't find anything like it um a stereo input output harmonic tremolo yeah right um there was mr black did release one but and it's I got it. it. Sounds fantastic, but the control summit, uh, set is more limited than what I wanted. So, I sort of set out to design my own back in I think that must have been 2018, and um, I think we were talking about this before the show. I just didn't have the knowledge or skill set to pull it off at the time. So it's been sort of in passive development since then, and now I've got the knowledge to do it. So it's an active development and I've been working on it for, yeah, for a couple of months now, like solidly making incremental progress, you know, weekly. And this is, this is the, this is the retro harmonic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That we're talking about, which is, this is actually quite a good thing about, about your pedals. This is currently unreleased, but you provide information and images of it on your website so this is kind of like soft launching your new products um this is something i've always sort of done and i did question it at one point um was that you know like before i was very well known i would often just 
post a picture and ask for feedback from the people who are following me. Because I didn't think of myself as like as a corporate entity. I was just uh-huh. a dude doing stuff and like, hey guys, what do you think about this? Like, is there something you'd prefer? Like, if you're going to like, if this is the kind of thing you're going to buy, what would you like to see? Or how would you like to look? Or, you know, do you see anything wrong with this? And I'd get great feedback. And so once I started getting a bit bigger and sort of, you know, mentally doing that comparison thing that everybody does, um, comparing myself to bigger companies that do these, we don't tell you anything until release day. The most we'll do is like put up a blurry image. Uh, and I was thinking, okay, well, there maybe there's a rationale behind that. And this is something I've talked to my friend John Snyder from Electronic Audio Experiments about a few times. And he's very of the mind of doing no information until release day because what he said is like he prefers to um, have feedback from a small group of people that he trusts and not feel the pressure of others. And I totally understand that, but I think I, I can ignore advice. I don't, that doesn't sort of fit into my plan. And then, you know, really listen to advice that I can take without messing another aspect up. So I, I don't mind so much putting that information out there and then getting some feedback on it. And I also feel like it makes people feel like they're part of the process, which is kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I can definitely a- appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, so the uh, let, let's talk about the the retro harmonic because this will be your first big box pedal, right? It's a it's a dual foot switch, which you have done before on the on the T one twenty deluxe, but you fit those uh, two foot switches in a very sort of chase bliss sense onto a single measure uh yeah the uh, t60 pedal. as well has that yeah yeah um, oh, oh yes uh, of course yes the t60 does as well but this one will be this one will be this is is wider this is uh i'm trying to think like way huge width i guess yeah. so yeah the box size is called a 1590 bb um the original generation loss was in one i'm just looking at like my pedals here what else was in one um the electronic audio hypersleep is in one yeah it's not an uncommon one but it's not that 125 uh b size that i normally use yeah yeah um so i've actually been like doing most of the development on a mono version of it that is in 125 b because i hand build all my prototypes um so you know i use tweezers and soldered to do it because they're all surface mount uh it's very tedious but i I sort of enjoy doing it it's kind of zen um people even in the discord builders group think i'm crazy for this but eh, whatever (laughs) um yeah so the mono one you don't have to build literally twice as much because there's literally half as many channels so it makes more sense to do the development on that one um and then the idea being i expand it back out into the stereo version once i've got everything tuned in on that i see yeah and then i have to build fewer prototypes of the stereo version that way <laughs> yes yes that's a that a, an affordable way to do it i guess yeah i mean it's it's less unhinged i think yeah sure but so uh, so uh, so you touched upon it like the the retro harmonic you're building because you couldn't find anything on the market that was offering this sort of thing so what is the retro harmonic bringing to the the the, the well-trodden world of of tremolo okay so are you're familiar with what a harmonic tremolo is yes sure. okay 
yeah. So for anyone that isn't, um, a normal tremolo, um, well, tremolo itself is a musical term for sort of like rapid, um, rapid attacks, like rapid picking or something like that. So electronic uh, tremolo simulates that by volume, rapid volume changes. So it sounds like there's rapid attacks, uh, but it's actually fluctuations in volume. And um, harmonic tremolo uses two signal paths, one with all the highs filtered out and one with all the lows filtered out. So like one that's really trebly and one that's really bassy. And then it alternates between them. So you, it ends up sounding a lot like vibrato, but without an actual pitch bend. It's just alternating between those frequency sets. Almost tricking the ear into thinking it's vibrato. Yeah, absolutely. It, and it does, but it does sound vibey. It just doesn't actually shift the pitch at all. Right. Yeah. Um, so what I wanted um, was a... I was really into stereo effects at the time and just getting into them. And I couldn't find, for the life of me, a stereo harmonic uh, tremolo. Uh, I was able to... I had a Boss DD500. Those had just come out recently. And I figured out how to make one using the ramping stuff you can get to if you plug it into your computer and use the uh, control interface there. But it was really like a hacky workaround and you couldn't really control the rate or the depth. Um, so I kind of wanted to actually just make a normal one. Uh, and sorry, just I was getting a call from a private number. I'm going to no, ignore that. That is um, fine. Yeah. It's me. It's me. I'm phoning you separately. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So I wanted to um, make something for myself, basically. Uh-huh. Um, and so I kind of conceptualized it. And, you know, I think for me, conceptualizing a user interface is more than half the battle. And it's often like doubts about that that'll kind of set me back. Um, so these basically settling on a control set that I feel is intuitive and won't let a user kind of get lost and find it hard to get back to a normal sound. Like that's kind of my ideal, my platonic ideal of a user interface. Um, you know, extensive, but also intuitive and impossible to get lost in. Uh-huh. Um, so I sort of have settled on that. I've tried a few things that ended up not being great, and I've settled on the things that I do like, which is eight knobs. Um, and a couple of them have the secondary parameter. Um, my sort of um, way of doing this is the engage foot switch. When the effect is on, you hold it down, the LED turns a different color to indicate you're in like alternate mode, and you can turn the knob to set the alternate parameter, then you let uh-huh. go and it sort of saves it in memory. So it'll recall it when it boots up next time. And it doesn't affect like the primary position of the control. Great. Um, yeah. So yeah. So for the mono one, the only thing I'm really leaving out is the panning because there's not two channels, but uh, you can control things like the distance between the two LFOs uh, from zero to 180 degrees. So like from fully together, giving you like normal trim to a part giving you, you know, harmonic trim. Uh, you can control how, like, deep the treble LFO, go, LFO will go. So you can make it, like, so it doesn't run at all until only the bass LFO going. And, you know, you turn the control the other way and it stops the uh, 
base LFO from going, it's only the treble one going. And then you I set it see. separate. And you can balance between them. That's great. Exactly. It's a great yeah, it's a ba- feature. Yeah. And then, so the alternate parameter of that is you hold down the foot switch and turn it. It's what I call tone, which is basically you lower the maximum uh, value of the LFO on a certain channel. So you are effectively turning down the other one. So uh-huh. you turn it right. So like to like turn up the treble, what it's doing is it's making it so the bass LFO doesn't rise as high. So the bass never gets as loud. I see. And so that's just kind of to help you tune in if you've got a really like boomy like instrument and you kind of want to even that out when the trem effect is on you can do that and so that's a useful feature then you've got your rate um the one uh thing i love about this is the polyrhythm control and what that does is it so let's like the conceit being that a normal harmonic trem or a normal trem has a one-to-one polyrhythm if we're going to define it that way yeah this is a really interesting control because it's obviously it's all in divisions yeah so i've got these i found these like 11 detent pots that i'm using so basically they have 11 little slots like they go into if they don't turn continuously they kind of go into the next slot so it makes it easy to set up uh sort of great yep thing like this um and so i've got 11 different polyrhythm uh divisions so the easiest way to explain it would be a two to one polyrhythm uh would be the treble lfo does two laps in the time the bass lfo does one i see yes so, right and so you know that's a very even one so they line up after the treble does two and they both drop out at once so you kind of get that polyrhythm because you hear them doing the same thing and it does form a pattern that repeats right right and but you've also got stuff that's doing like seven over three exactly and so no matter what what one you choose they do line up together and drop both at once after a certain number of repetitions uh-huh. the cool thing being a lot of these don't if you are like timing them to your playing they won't line up to a four bar thing so it does create like a uh, polymetric sort of effect as well um, i love it yeah, and it's really cool. And if you dial the phase of the LFOs apart, then they sort of line up at different times and in different ways because, you know, they don't both drop out at the same time every time they line up. Uh-huh. So you can get a lot of different sounds. And on the um, stereo one, fully panning the LFOs. So, like, when you... the The pan control works by, like the same way the phase control does in that it pushes the like um distance between peaks you uh-huh. know half the t- um half the wavelength away so you can uh do the polyrhythm but then like separate them by half a cycle and get this weird surround sound effect that's just amazing like you just put it on a hang chord and it just kind of like all these beats surrounding you it's really cool i'm so in i'm so this, in um- there's just like nothing, you know, sort of listening to that. And I mean, you know, as it's sort of on your website, like polyrhythmic tremolo, I guess when you first started talking about it, I was thinking very much like the magnetone amps, like their stereo trem. But this really goes quite far beyond that in terms of like a, a, a really like a, almost like a 3D tremolo. I mean, I love the idea of this sort of, the, so, this polyrhythm of of 
trem so things come round in in cycles i think that's a that's a really cool idea so i do have uh one of the mono prototypes here that i can kind of kick on for a second to kind of show you what i'm talking about let's like. do it that's right dear listener we're having demos on the podcast real time okay so um this prototype the level control is a bit um wasn't working so it's the level's kind of like loud so i've just turned down everything so uh let's see Okay, so I'm going to turn the polyrhythm. Okay, so okay, so this is a ramp down wave shape. Uh, so you can really hear the attack on these. Um, okay, and so both are going together. And to give you an idea of what it sounds when I separate the phase, like 180 degrees. So you can kind of hear... You can hear the... Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I can't believe the the, the yeah the, how much you can hear the detail change between the 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 bass and the and the treble LFO. Okay, I've just turned down the, the treble a little bit so the bass is a little bit louder. Think of this a bit like when when you're talking bass and treble. I'm almost thinking like a Leslie speaker, where you've got a lower horn and an upper horn. I think like to, to get a good Leslie uh, speaker simulation, you'd also want a um, vibrato over top. So that this would kind of be like your dry line, and then you could have a vibrato as your wet line, and then recombine them, and that would give you a good Leslie imitation. Right. But this is yeah, this is definitely like. You could think of this as kind of like the imitation of maybe the bass speaker. Right, okay. Okay, so um, I'm going to dial them so they're both together, and then I'm going to start putting on a polyrhythm. So you can hear the bass dun, 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 and then, but the treble's going faster. Yeah. So you can kind of get an idea of that. I love it. Yeah, so it's a lot of fun. Um, and you can do a ton of stuff with that. It just sounds amazing. And that's just on the one of the 11 wave shapes of settings. I think, I think it sounds great. It's a really interesting way to create more depth out of tremolo that, that you know, I haven't really thought of before. Yeah, and... Uh, like another thing I really like about this is it spent so much time kind of being conceptualized that I had a lot of really cool ideas about it. And one uh -huh. of the ones I really enjoy is that it's got a drive control and a level control. So like it's got an overdrive circuit as a preamp. Uh, so you can get some like really like nice um, gain and like distortion out of it if you so choose. Um, so the first half of the sweep is more of a boost. You don't get as much breakup. Uh -huh. uh, and then, you know, from there it drives. And the benefit of this is if you've got a really hot input signal, it clips nicely uh, rather than kind of getting shrill. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so when you're in bypass, what you can do is you, you hit on, you hit the tap switch and it takes you into like bypass drive mode or active bypass. And in that mode, 
Only the drive, tone, and level controls are active, and you can use it just like a straight overdrive. Oh, that is very cool. That's exactly what I want. Um, so you'd almost see this sitting, what, like kind of like the end of a pedal board type thing, and you can use it for a bit of drive. And it yeah, goes, exactly. Yeah, like you can warm up your signal a little bit with it. It's sort of like a drive with a very high clipping threshold, so it's not going to get like nasty. But it will kind of it has like an open kind of structure. It's mm. it's it's nice. It's more meant to like kind of warm something up since you know the stereo one will also have the same thing, and so you can kind of use it as a stereo overdrive to kind of like get things to mesh together a little bit. Nice. Wow, it's it's super super unique in terms of an idea, and I like how far you're kind of pushing what can be done with effectively what is the world's oldest type of guitar effect <laughs> oh absolutely yeah yeah <laughs> like Matt- what what i enjoy doing is basically like taking something that exists and then thinking of different ways of approaching it yeah. and you know instead of being like it's a tram that goes into a reverb or a reverb that goes into a tram or you know um that's 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 the new fad at the moment isn't it the uh the tremolo reverb everyone's yeah got one of those now. but that sort of style thing it's like oh it's a tram fuzz you know like smashing two ideas like mm. that are kind of vanilla on their own together like kind of approaching it from a different direction and seeing it's like okay what aspect of this can i change to make it kind of like messed up yeah mm. very cool matt matt should we uh i want to i want to guess i want to guess i want to bet i want to bet money physical money i want to guess what guitar <laughs> that steve's uh playing with it don't say steve don't say sure i uh i want to guess matt you go in 10 quid Ten quid, uh, ten pounds, ten I'm, of your English pounds, Matt. You can I, go first, Joe. You that your first. your confidence uh-huh. in uh, in this makes me think that you already know what it is. How so would I'm, I know? How would I'm I not, know? I'm not a gambling man, Joe. Right. I'm not like you. I'm not like fifty quid on a football match every mm. uh, every other night. Yeah, you know. Well, uh, I can't do that anymore, Matt. I lost it all the 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 other week. Lost all of my betting money on uh, on a single game. Ah, <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, so what, did I you bet to... against the lettuce? <laughs> <laughs> very good, very good. No one would have bet against the lettuce. Um, uh, I reckon it's a Telecaster. It does sound it does sound very uh, T esque. Steve, what is it? It's an Epiphone Les Paul with a coil God tapping gauge. Damn it. <laughs> so you're right on the coil type, but wow, well, I, yeah. I would have never, never guess that. Um, I've done a lot of work on it, so it's kind of, it's not quite a, like a Franken guitar, but it's uh-huh. got um, these bare knuckle. I think they're either nail bomb or emerald pickups. I really like, oh, that's, like, that's... I think like the Thin Lizzy live album is kind of like my ideal for an overdrive tone. So I've kind of uh-huh. like chased that a little bit. Um, and yeah, so I've got a coil top. I've done all the wiring myself, and uh, yeah, so that's very cool. The Epiphone Les Paul, an underrated moddable uh, guitar. Matt, uh, you know your friend of mine, the guitarist in the band Clit Drip, he uh, plays a bare knuckle loaded Epiphone Les Paul, and he makes the, probably the most ridiculous guitar sounds you'll ever hear. True, true. You know, it's not the guitar; it's the player. No, exactly. So, Steve, <laughs> let's talk about let's talk about your guitars. Is your is your Epiphone Les Paul? Is that the? I mean, I want to come back because we haven't talked about my favorite pedal that you make yet. So we'll circle back around to that. But um, what 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 is your what's your flavor of guitar? Is it the is this Epiphone Les Paul, or is that just what you've got to hand right now? 
Um, I've always liked Les Pauls. Like growing up, I was a big Slash fanboy, so uh-huh. I've kind of like always idealized the Les Pauls. Um, and I haven't really had any reason to not continue liking them. I don't think I'd ever buy a Gibson just because the price tag and the headstock, you know, right. mismatch. <laughs> such a yeah. like a bad headstock design for such an expensive guitar. It's just I don't know. That swigs me out a bit. Oh, but um, yeah, and then my other main guitar is a Schecter um ultra three i think it's called uh my other kind of like idealized guitar type is the 1960s italian guitars that look really weird like they're kind of like surf guitars oh you're speaking my language yeah <laughs> yeah and so like yeah. there's like the galanti um manufacturer i suppose mm-hmm. uh had had like these cool radio buttons like so you push one and all the other ones pop out and that was yeah. how you selected like the pickup. So I, I love that because I have no idea how those work. The the Ultra Three is quite an unusual Schecter, I think. Especially, dear listener, if you've not come across it, as soon as Steve said Schecter, you're probably thinking of a Hellraiser or uh, one of the the other guitars. Steve, try and describe the uh, the the Ultra Three. It's it's a very classic looking kind of like <laughs> retro futuristic, I'd say. Yes, yeah. It is an upside down, a reverse offset. So with the lower horn on the front and the upper horn on the back being the protruding horns. Um, what, what version did you get? Because they did one with t- with a split plate as well, didn't they? With a, a full plate on the lower side and a cut plate on the upper side. And they also do just one with a small plate on the lower side. I think I have the one with the plate on the lower and it's got the ah. three uh, switches to let you coil tap. Like it's got three pickups. Oh, it's got. Oh, right. Does it have a Bigsby as well? Your one. It does. Amazing. What finish? Uh, it's kind of a um, matte white or uh, cream. The vintage white, yeah, yeah, with the black plate and yep. the three lovely sort of like a gold foil. Yeah, uh, yep. you got it. That's the guitar uh, I have. That's an extremely cool guitar, and and it's got a German carve, but it also has like the sort of Firebird esque uh, central bit that pops out. Yeah, oh. yeah, you got it. It's a yeah, it's got that guitar. kind of like extrusion on the body. Yeah, that's a that's a basic style switching. I've just brought up a picture of it now. I didn't, oh, I forgot about that. Like Jaguar basic style switching as well. Oh, it's got like a rotary switch that lets you select pickups. Right, right. So just a six way. Um, I think it's five, but it might be six. Oh no, that's even better. Don't give people options. That's that's because yeah, I think it's like bridge, bridge and middle, middle, middle and uh, neck, and then neck. Right. Okay. Even better. I love it. Yeah. This is a, it's a very cool guitar, and you know, like uh, they're they're kind of reasonably priced for sort of something that's so incredibly or, uh, original. I don't know what they go for in Canada. I think they they're looking at about thirteen, fourteen hundred pounds over here in the UK. I traded some pedals to a guy who got checked her for them for it <laughs> <laughs> amazing Even there better. you go if, you, if you've got a trade there you go you can you can trade anything <laughs> you just say oh I'll make that and then i'll just I'll give you that i mean it still costs you money but it feels like you're handing over less i guess if you're trading pedals for it especially if you make the pedals yourself <laughs> yeah he asked for an overdrive which i didn't make at the time so that's actually the reason i developed my overdrive 
Oh, really? That's why you made the the one one two plus, or what do you say, one twelve? One twelve plus. One twelve plus. Yeah, um, that's, that's the that's the big difference between uh, the two sides of the pond is that we will say each number individually here, and uh, <laughs> that that is not what occurs. It always always stumps me when you hear sort of like you know Canada and, and the states saying three es three thirty five, and I'm like the three three five. Yeah, but I mean, what? it's you know, it's, it's America's guitar, isn't it? I guess they can decide what its name is. It's us saying it wrong. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What, what is it like? Um, yeah, there is like a, a few like re- like language differences are the biggest thing between the two continents. I think. Um, yeah. Like, I just recently found out that you guys only have one river in London. You don't have like the Thames and the Thames. You just have the Thames, and it's just spelled <laughs> like that. <laughs> <laughs> We're a big fan of silent letters. Yeah, we don't yeah, we don't like yeah. all this phonetic spelling that goes on over over your side, but. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know the 112, like, that's one that also got, was sort of developed over its lifetime. And the, like, circuit on it now is so good. Uh, but it's sort of, um, I shot myself in the foot a little bit by never giving it version numbers. So it's <laughs> right, like, I see. you know, you look up a vi- demo for it and it's the old, like, one of the original versions, which uh, I'd say, like, in hindsight, isn't that great. Was it um, was it based on an amplifier? Because it felt like a very full bore style drive channel. This you sent us one years ago, but this is one of the pedals that is is ended up with uh, with one of our other hosts, Jay Cross. And okay, yeah, I think he's I had sent it you there one of the... for a good few years now. So it's been a while since I've actually heard one. Okay, IRL. Yeah, the version like I make now and then now is very different um the old one kind of like the volume would get insanely loud and so i worked out a way to actually lower the volume as you turn up the drive Uh and so that it sounds like it's kept at an even volume and i also came up with like this mix circuit that mixes in uh clean highs as you turn down the drive um and so even when you turn up the drive they're there but you know, you can kind of filter the overdriven signal so you don't get like uh, scritching. You don't get kind of like um, high and shrill sound. Instead, you get mixed in clean, like chimey sounds, and it just sounds wonderful. And you can turn it all the way down and get a very clean sound. And I've sort of like um, manipulated the three modes a bit. So each one sounds good, but has a different purpose. Whereas in the old one, the middle mode kind of was eh. Like it didn't really do much, but right. now it's like, no, it's great. It's like a clean drive almost. And then, you know, the Ooh. left is sort of a sharp drive and the right is like a full bore balls to the wall drive. Right. I see. I see. Was it, was it, was there uh was there like a, what, 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 in, was there a thing, a, an effects pedal or a, or an amplifier that inspired its inception or so were you just original, trying to create drive? The original conceit was that I wanted to make, um, a pedal, and this is something I had tried to do years before I ever started a company, was try to make a pedal version of my high school amplifier, the the Fender Princeton 112 Plus. Oh, very cool. And so I pulled it off on one of the first drafts of this, because like since I had originally tried, I had learned to use PCB layout software, so it was a lot easier than trying to make a, you know, a Vero board layout. Uh, so I got it to work, and I didn't really like it. Um, there were sounds on the amp I liked, but using the same control set also gave you access to a lot of sounds I didn't. It was very much like it's a 1992 amplifier that was targeted at metalheads on a budget. 
And, right. <laughs> you know, so there were some really good sounds in it, but I realized, you know, I'd done some mod- mods to it over the years that kind of gave it a bit more of the sound I liked. And I didn't like a lot of the controls in any other location but one. Uh-huh. So I kept the clipping stage. Uh, so the stage that actually distorts. And like, I think the just the front stage where it kind of, it filters the input a little bit, like gets, you know, a nice uh, resonant peak uh, in the mids, uh, sends it through the overdrive where you can crank it up and then onto the clipping, which is kind of a two tier, um, you know, eclipse sharp at one place. And then it gain has a bit more gain and then clips at another and then rounds it out to give you kind of a tube, like kind of like a saturation shape this is similar to what do you find on a tube, uh, overdrive. Right. And then I sort of stripped away everything else from the amplifier and added in a three band EQ and put in very high voltage rails. So there's a voltage booster in it that, so I think it's 32 volts total uh, from nine at the input so that you can boost or cut the each frequency band, like bass, metal, treble. And so if you boost it high, you don't like get kind of a shrill, you know, um, redlining. You know, there's enough supply room for those peaks to just like carry on out. I see. Yeah. And then, you know, that was for the original one. And since then, I haven't really touched the um, EQ stage, but uh, I've, yeah, changed a lot in between the input and the output. And yeah, no, I really like where it is now, but I don't really make it that often because eh, it's, you know, the the name is the same as the original one. So I'm like, eh, do I relaunch it to something else? Maybe. I don't know. Huh, so I kind of just sit on it. Maybe I'll call it 212. <laughs> yeah, but I kind of want to like do something else to make it a different pedal because I have been selling this newer version of it for like a year. I just don't make them very often. Right, I see. Well, I mean, you know, a good a good overdrive is a is a is you know an important core part of any pedal brand. Certainly, I think. But th- I mean, that said, I actually think you've come very close to making an an incredibly usable all in one. With I am segueing into my favorite pedal that you make, uh, the Spidola. Did I say that oh. right? Yeah, you did. Yeah, I love the Spidola. I love the Spidola. I, I, I'm a big Fuzz fan, but I'm also a big fan of things that are uh, transparent is the wrong word, but like drives and fuzzes need to be dynamic for me. I think partially because I'm predominantly a bass player and I kind of want the pedals that I like to work on bass as well as working on yeah. guitar. And uh, And this does exactly that. It's a fuzz pedal that doesn't just turn your signal into this, you know, this tiny little thin thing that disappears as soon as there's another instrument playing. And I think you've done that because there's some clever, complex stuff going on under the hood to kind of alleviate some of the problems that you often get with germanium style fuzz pedals. It's a mix between complex and simple. Like I'd say the complexity is more in the conceptualization. Um but I wanted to do it in a very small enclosure, like the 1590B. Um, I'm currently making them in the like a bit larger, but I, I think I might go back. Um, and so, in order to get it that small, it's like a lot of clever design to like get rid of parts and right. basically do it as simply as possible. So, like if you if you look at the circuit, you're like, oh, that's actually fairly you know minimal. But you know, it's kind of the figuring out what to keep and what to throw away is the complex part. But okay. um, the I think I've always loved uh, Range Masters. I've never played an original one, but um, when I first started building pedals, you know, it's a very easy one to make. So it's one of the first ones I made. And I love the sound of a Germanium Range Master. And Germanium transistors clip 
differently than silicon ones. Silicon ones will, so you've got an input signal and it's too big for the you know transistor to amplify. It doesn't have high enough voltage rails, like I was talking about on the 112. It's got very high voltage rails, so it can faithfully reproduce the curve without hitting the power supply right. limit. Um, so when a germanium trans or when a silicon transistor hits the power supply limit, it's just going straight up, straight up, straight up, and then it's flat at red lines. When a germanium transistor does that, it has a more nonlinear response. Like it starts kind of to curve towards the flat rather than having a sharp transition. And you you hear that. The um you don't get as much shrill output. There's not as much high frequency content added uh -huh. uh, when you do that. And it sounds more overdrivey. And I just love that sound. Like my favorite overdrive is probably a germanium fuzz. Um and so I love that, but you know, the treble booster um you know, is a bit of a misnomer. It more cuts the bass than boosts the treble. It's just, you know, a bass cutting booster, but treble booster is a way better name than that. So, <laughs> um, so what I did was I wanted, originally tried to do it just with a, a clean blend. And it's like, that's cool, but it'd be cool if I just like did sort of the mirror image of what's happening on the treble booster side rather than giving you a clean. So I came up with just a very straightforward way to like overdrive the bass and the thing about drive is it does happen in the higher registers, like that growly sound. Um, so a bit of a trick to get the growl, like be able to filter out all of the high end content and still have a growl in the low right, end content. Sure. So getting that was, uh, you know, with minimal amount of parts is tricky. Um, but doing that and having them both be boosted from the same source so that they go, they get distorted at the same kind of like rate as you turn the drive knob up. Um, that was important. And then they both get like sort of equalized in a different way because you've got your treble and your bass knob. Um, the treble knob is more of a, a variable filter. It kind of shaves off some of the treble boost. Uh, from that side, it shaves off the high-end content from the treble boost side, right. whereas the bass knob is just like a volume knob on the bass side. Yeah, I it, did notice that. It very much had that feel to it. Uh, yeah, and I found like that was, there's a guy uh, named Mark Cinemo, and he lives in New York, um, and he calls me up now and then and just like to talk about stuff and give me feedback on things he's tried. Uh, and he, he's a great guy, and his feedback is invaluable sometimes. And he probably like besides myself he's the one that contributed to the design of the spadola the most he bought one of the first ones i kind of did them in very small releases for the first year or two right uh and he got one of the first ones and he had some like advice about it and he's like can you get it to do this can you get it to do this he's got a thick like brooklyn accent you, you know it's like <laughs> I, I i which i love his his instagram is uh his instagram handle is mock with a w right. uh, um Great. and so he's like all right, I like this, but um, the bass, it, uh, you can't dial it all the way out. Uh, I'd love to be able to dial it all the way out so I can just get the straight treble boost sound. And so I was like, okay, you know, I'll change it from how it is to like a fader, just like so you can fully cut it. And so I sort of took, like he said a few other things, I can't remember exactly what, but I revised it based on his feedback and it, that's what it is now. And it is perfect. Like, yeah, I sent it to him. He's like, I don't even have anything else to say that's perfect. Um, and I agree. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I absolutely agree as well. I, I completely loved it. And I, I, I'm not like a, a harsh critic of, of fuzzes. I, I think I like most fuzzes and drives that I try out. But this is, 
you know, it's absolutely fantastic. I love that it works really well for foot bass guitar as well as guitar, just, I don't know, through nature of being a bit more full range, I guess, in yeah. that sense. But I love the fact that it can be a very legitimate sounding overdrive as well. I mean, you get that a lot with the more old school sounding fuzzes anyway. They can kind of do the overdrive thing as well exactly, as the fuzz yeah. thing. But, um, but yeah, it's, it was absolutely my cup of tea. Like Loads of vibe, loads of character, tons of retro goodness, but without without um, sacrificing EQ or sitting in a mix, which is so often the choice you make when you've got like vintage sounding pedals. Also like there's the whole thing about um, germanium transistors being temperature sensitive. Right. And so Benson apps recently, you probably came up with a very clever way of temperature compensating the transistors. And which I thought was really funny because I, did something similar, but mine is way more caveman, um, <laughs> which is like, okay, well, the transistor, it's like, yeah, it loses gain, so it can't amplify as much when it gets, like, hotter. Um, so my thinking was, well, then don't use it to amplify. Just use something else to, like, blast the shit out of it. So that's, that's what I did. I right. just have an op-amp drive just, like, just boosting in front of both channels. So the transistor is clipping. It doesn't matter. It doesn't need to amplify. It just needs to, like, hit the volt, like power rail. I see. Yeah. Very and the benefit of that, doing it that way, is it doesn't care if a buffer is in front of it. it. You can put it anywhere in your chain, and it won't sound different. I see. Very clever. Well, it's a, it's a great product. I really like the Spadola. Um, it is fantastic. Dear listener, do check it out. There are plenty of videos of it on the interwebs, and uh, I'm going to do a few more reels with it. I think I did one a while ago, but I'll do some more videos with it because it really is a, a fantastic-sounding pedal. Uh, yeah. we, we, are, we are coming up to the end of this week's episode of Guitar Nerds, uh, everyone. But before I did we want to mention one Oh, yeah. No, one. no, go for it. I've got go for it. this other one I have in development that is also probably going to be released in the near future is um, an analog tri-chorus, um, sort of based on the Salina synths, like, string section. Oh, so yeah? it uses like oh, three, cool. three analog chorus lines that are modulated out of phase from one another uh, and then summed and then, you know, output. So you get a sort of surround, like swimmy, you don't hear it as a pitch shift so much as kind of just like a blanket of, yeah, um, warmth. And because, like I was saying before, I really like playing with digitally generated uh, LFOs, uh-huh. I have... Like I'm able to have like multiple modes in it, so I have like a dimension mode that just like mutes one of the outputs and then does the dimension C thing. Um, I meet two of the outputs can have a unison mode, and then I've been working on these like fun alternate modes. Like one is like there's just one waveform, but the three LFOs sort of go to different heights. Like so, they each like one is two thirds the depth of the other, and then one is one third the depth of the first. So the pitch doesn't swing as um, far out on, like, they don't have the same amount of pitch um, shift. And so you get a bit of a phase thing going on. It just sounds amazing. And then one of them is, like, each one is uh, doing a different random, like, movement. So you have, like, three different random things going on. And the other, like, one is, you know, a constant sort of ramping up and down of the speed on the like the staggered LFO thing and just it, it sounds amazing. Um, I've got it here if you want to hear it. Yeah, but. yeah, I do, I do. You're going full into modulation world now with your. Uh... 
Okay, so this is just the um That's just like the single voice. It's kind of, I don't even know if I'll like include it in the final product. It's just kind of, uh-huh. yeah, whatever. Then <laughs> got dimension. Uh, and then Salina. So it's like three out of phase LFOs that are, they're like a sine wave with a faster sine wave overlaid on them. So it's sort of like a frequency modulated thing going on. So it gives a slow movement and a fast movement at once. Just kind of a cool like blanket of sound. And then, okay, so like the phasing thing. randomized oh yeah that sounds great yeah and then finally the I call it swirl it's um, a ramping thing so you can hear they're speeding up great yeah how how uh, how far do you think we're we're away from seeing this from your contribution to chorus um second contribution to chorus uh, um yeah. <laughs> this will be like actually yes. probably like the third or fourth chorus pedal i've developed <laughs> <laughs> uh, i need to be stopped uh maybe a few months i think well like ideally what i'd like so right now i i'd like to split it out so you can do a stereo output uh, which would be just there's three voices so sending the middle voice to both outputs at half volume uh, and then the third voice to the right output and the first voice to the left so that it sort of sounds like there's left middle center uh-huh. uh, when you put stereo image but then automatically just summing the them to one channel if you don't have like the right output plug connected um, so you can use it mono or stereo out and not lose half of the effect um i'd also like to enable like midi control on it and have some presets because it is sort of like there's a lot of of different varied settings you can get so i think presets would be useful yeah that's it isn't it as soon as you're you're making something that's versatile these days you've got to give people the ability to get more than one sound for it from it in a gigging situation yeah and also like things like adding MIDI and presets are very difficult on things I've done like the T60 and T120 because it's a very small box as is and very full. But this one, because I need to have three delay lines and three delay clocks in there, it already has to be a big box. But I'm not necessarily using, it's got two PCBs and the top is full. It's the analog, you know, side. Right. But the bottom is, you know, it's not that full. So I can probably fit, um, you know, another jack in there as long as I get a shallow one that doesn't need the uh, cutout from the top board. For the um, MIDI, I can 
probably t- put two foot switches on there, one to engage and the other to select a preset. You know, it's, th- it's not as difficult on this one. Steve, that is very exciting. Uh, I'm glad you're expanding your pedal line again. So as soon it will be seven. Um, um, yeah, I think I might because like parts are really hard to get and um, do do like personal taxes because I didn't incorporate it as soon as I should have. Uh, like I'm paying those off. So, you know, the well of, um, you know, the pool of finance to do like big manufacturing runs isn't as there as it has been in the past. I'll probably be doing very small runs of this. And I don't know if I'll necessarily have enough to like do dealer things. So this is might not be through dealers. It might just be like a pre-order of I'm doing like 25 of these now. Uh, I might do another 25 in a month or like four. That's cool. It's a great way to supplement sort of the standard line is doing little limited runs of that. It's it's certainly, you know, from a, from a punter's perspective, that's what I want. Like being able to get hold of something that's, Mm. that's rare and not something that you see every day. That's not just available off of uh, the shop, the the shop shelf is uh, great. Yeah. I mean, there is something to be said for, a little bit of exclusivity like it's nice like i i like it when i feel like um i have to like really look for something really try to get something instead of being like oh that's there i can get it next week if i want to yeah mm. yeah it's not necessarily like gonna improve your sound but it i don't know there's i shouldn't say quite about well we're all into collecting right that's the main <laughs> thing isn't it oh, it's absolutely. just like you know you just you know, whether it's even, you know, I've bought stuff and then just not even put it on a pedal board, you know, plugged it in a few times. Like, great. Add that one to the collection. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm a big fan of modulation. And I think, you know, the, the kind of clips there, I'm like, yeah, I like, I like that kind of vibe. I like that big, as you described it, like a big blanket of, uh, of kind of chorus. So, uh, I'm in excited. Yeah. Let us know when you're going to do the run. And, yeah. uh, yeah. There's but, also the possibility um, of a, like, do one with like four analog delay lines and do a stereo in out. But that's sort of unhinged to do to do when like analog delay chips are very hard to get. I mean, even a th- one that uses three, it's like that is absolutely insane. It makes no sense to do, but it's what I'm working on. So what, whatever. <laughs> that's why you've got to do small runs, and then you know, got to build that into the story, make people want it. Well, that's, that's the, uh, basically it. Yeah, it's like I need yeah. to source the parts, and you know, wow. yeah. Well, I'm very excited to see where this goes next. Now, that that does uh, pretty much bring us up to time on this week's episode of the Guitar Nerds podcast. Dear listener, you can, of course, join us over on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds for an entire extra episode every week. You can become a Patreon supporter for as little as a dollar a month. The dollar tier gets you this episode ad-free and early every week. $5 gets you access to the Patreon back catalogue. $10 gets you the lot, plus I'll sing you my thanks at the end of every episode. Dear listener, did you know it's I changed the song for the first time in about six months. I made it a, a punk pop number. I've lost the blues. But uh, but yeah, let me know how terrible you think. I think it's terrible, but it doesn't matter anyway. <laughs> uh, you can find us on all your favourite social media platforms and join the Guitar Nerds group on Facebook to get involved in our weekly episode discussion and choose the topics for our Patreon episode. Steve, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, it has been fantastic. Dear listener, if you're not familiar with Steve's wonderful creations, demodashfx.com. Uh, check them out and uh, pick yourself up something fun and interesting. And uh, we'll be back next week with more of this nerdery. Farewell. Bye. Yeah.
Danny Walker, Jared Brown, Andy Hoffler, Holly Simpson, John Conway, Russell Healing, Paul Drew, Peter Pesh, Ty Allen, Yogi the Guitarist, Sean Hughes, Brian Hansen, Eric Emma, Jeffrey Wax, Brian Einzler, Gavin Vanden, Linden, Andy Manley, Marty Zau, Katawaki, Simon Milborn, and Stuart Robson, Eric File, Joe Pratic, James Dorr, the band, Russ Edwards, Stephen Burke, Dave Lee, Jane Gray, Scott Kennedy, Christopher Loseth, Derek Rich, Oh Blake Wyland, Rob Nordvig, Shady Shorten, Steve Merkel, Annie Matanzi, Brad Page, Robin Smith, Scott O'Brien, Paul Connigan, and Luke Gravitt. This summer, you need clothes that you can wear anywhere. For that, look to American Giant t-shirts, shorts, jeans, and sweatshirts. American Giant makes everything in the USA. So when you buy, you create jobs and improve local communities all across the country. Shop summertime closet staples at American-Giant.com. And get 20% off your order when you use code WA23 at checkout. That's 20% off at American-Giant.com with promo code WA23. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com <laughs>